Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. Source say is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at juststendhal.com or by calling 859-543-0700. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by our main co-host, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. But we know why you guys are all here for the one and only Coach Seth Greenberg. Coach, I literally just got done watching you on your broadcast. I don't know if he's still there. His screen just went by. There we go. We're good. I just got done watching you on TBT. Your coverage has been terrific on the call. Uh, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. TBT, uh, Summer League, TBT, Lubbock, Louisville. Uh, just kind of talking ball. That's all I do. It's my life. I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss not coaching you. We got it all going on here in Louisville Freedom Hall. But life is good. I can't complain. So you won't be coaching fantasy camp this year? Excuse me? You will not be coaching fantasy camp this year? I don't think I'm no, I actually I don't think I'll be coaching fantasy camp. I I got a wedding to go to that weekend, I think. Mm. Brutal. Well, I know we, we don't have a lot of time with you, but of the time we do have, we, we want to get your thoughts on how the Cats played in Toronto. They go 4-0 and in the Global Jam. Uh, a lot of good, some bad. I just want to get your thoughts, Coach. What did you think of, of how the Cats played uh, in the prestigious international uh, event? I thought it was great. I thought it was great. They shared the ball. They played hard. They had the good spacing. They shot the ball well. 
Uh, I thought that, you know, Trey Mitchell, really, I thought looked terrific in that high post as a passer and a ball movement. I got stretch the defense. When you have a big that can do that, then it's going to open up driving lanes for DJ and Reed and Antonio and Rob and all those guys. Obviously, Justin Edwards looked really comfortable in playing in terms of being a, a positionless, multi-position guy. I thought he was absolutely terrific. Uh, I thought defensively they got to get a little bit better, but, uh, you know, for the number of weeks they worked out, to be that unselfish, play with that good of spacing, share the basketball, I thought they were really, really good. We, we had talked before the, the event, and, and you had kind of shared your excitement about uh, the Cats and, and what you had heard about the team. Do you think they lived up to what you had heard kind of behind the scenes, your expectations, and, and were there any surprises, uh, any guys that looked better than you were maybe anticipating? You know, look, I don't overreact like, you know, big Blue Nation fans. I don't have to do that. I just you know, look at things on, 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 on how they really are, not how I want them to be. It is July basketball. They've been together like for four or five, six weeks, whatever. They're playing without Adani. They're playing without Bradshaw. Uh, you know, speaking to the coaches, and uh, you know, they said you know, I talked to John right before they left. John Welsh and they talked to Cal. They were selfish. They loved being in the gym. They, they're a bunch of gym rats. Uh, they had great trust for each other and respect for each other. Uh, they were going to keep things simple. The most important thing was to play for each other, and that's what they did. Got a lot of guys good meetings. I thought Reed Shepard was absolutely terrific. I thought he was terrific. He was terrific on both ends of the floor. He can defend. He can. He, he's unselfish. I mean, he made one play that, that kind of accentuated it. I think he got a, he, he, he got a drive and a dunk in traffic, kind of inbounded the ball and attacked in transition, and he ch- played from behind, which means chased the ball from behind and got a deflection. That was a terrific play. I thought DJ played really very under control. Uh, I thought Antonio looked like he fit right in and showed leadership. Uh, I thought Trey showed leadership, which is important. And they're playing with two guys without two guys that are probably going to be, you know, in the rotation. So, I mean, there's not a lot not to like. They made shots. They played with good spacing. They shared the ball. They played hard. They looked like they enjoyed each other. They're not look. They're not where they need to be for the SEC. But no one, the SEC teams aren't where they need to be for the SEC. I just think Kentucky's funny because it's the only, it's the only program in America that can have the number one recruiting class in the country and think the sky is falling. <laughs> that, that, that's why they're they're the best. Uh, Cal went went on and on about the the importance of having basketball players, so he doesn't have to draw up uh, shots in, in in individual plays every time down the floor. Uh, from your perspective as a coach, what is the value there? Not having to draw up individual plays each time down the floor and just kind of letting your guys go. Tricky players are better than tricky plays. It's real simple. You put your guys in concepts and spacing. And then they can make plays. That's better than any play you can draw off because it's not you can't scout that. Look, you get in league play, unless you put in like some quick hitters, which you need to do, or special situations, which you need to do, they're taking away what you want to do. Okay, any, anyone that's worth a crap is taking away what you want to do. They're going to try to force you to do something you don't want to do. Take away your best actions. If you want, ever, ever go to a walkthrough from anyone, you know what they're going to try to do is decide what they're going to give and what they're going to take away. You know, for me, it's always take away the other team's best players and take away their best actions. Make them do something they don't want to do. What you can't take away is, you know, guys that can make plays that you can't scout. 
And that's what these guys can do. They can make plays that you can't scout, and they are ridiculously unselfish. Coach, you mentioned Antonio Reeves earlier. Uh, he's a guy that last year had to move around quite a bit. He had to run some one due to some of the injuries Kentucky had. How much better do you think he could be on this group that he now knows who he is? He can play that that shooter role, that scoring role with DJ and, and Reed and some of these other guys running the one. Yeah, I mean, look, I, guys are going to create and get him the ball where he's going to get play against closeouts. And then he can either knock it down or he can drive it. They're going to play in transition, which is going to be really important. Uh He's a he's a elite elite shut shooter, uh, but what he, the other thing you can do is now he's playing with guys that can make plays. When you got four or five floor gamers on the court, it creates spacing as long as those guys can shoot. See, floor gamers without shot makers is, is not doesn't do anything for you. Floor gamers with shot makers that creates space, and Antonio's going to have a lot of space to play with. Look, he's a he, he played really well, and he and he made the right decision. Everyone like, what's he going to do? Is he leave? Is he staying? He enrolled? He wanna, Look, he, he's he's on a good team. They're going to be they're going to be a good basketball team. And I think the bigs are going to end up being really good because they have three different bigs. Although Bradshaw and Trey can knock down the ball, knock down threes, but the passing of Trey Mitchell and the maturity of of Trey, I think, is really really important. Yeah. Hey Seth, uh, you have a long relationship with John Welch. What what? value does he bring to the table as a player developer as a connector uh, and you know as a, as a relationship guy on the staff yeah john was on my staff at long beach state he, he lives in the gym he loves he's lost in the game he loves being in the gym he loves working out guys he's got some of that nba pedigree in terms of understanding not only player development but spacing and he does a great job of connecting with players you know one thing is guys want to get in the gym the other thing is guys wanting to work once they get in the gym and he, he will work beside them. John does a really good job of uh, connecting with guys and getting them to fall even fall in love more with the game. I mean, when they got back, there were guys from Canada, there were guys calling him and saying, Coach, won't get back to the gym. And, and that's what it's all about. you got to have guys that are fall in love with the game and love the game and want to work and want to get better and just, you know, want to maximize. Some guys talk about wanting to be great players. Some guys go and make the investment. Investment equals your expectation, and they've got a group of guys this year that their investment's going to be to be the best individually and collectively they can be. Antonio Reeves was the returning guy, that the leader coming back, but a Duke arrow too, Coach. What did you see from him in those four games? I'm a big Duthiero guy. He, he's a guy that can get paint touches and make plays. He's best at I think he's best at three or four. You know. As a, a ball handling three or four, he's big enough, strong enough. He rebounds his position. He gives him some versatility defensively. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Adusiero guy. Uh, I think that, again, he has a role. Now he's got to shoot a little more consistently, but he does do a great job of getting in the lane and making plays, and that's another guy that can make a play. And on that note, there, there were a lot of people that kind of sweat the loss of Chris Livingston how do you see the, the way he's kind of fit in? Do you think he could be kind of the replacement guy that uh, I think what fans hoped Chris Livingston could be for Kentucky as a sophomore? Do you think uh, Adu could, could potentially fill that same role? Yeah, I think some of the point. I think Justin Edwards is going to be that role sometimes as well, you know, depending. They can play Edwards and, and, and Fierro together. Look, you know, Chris Livingston, good for him. He got drafted. He signed a contract, and that's great. Uh, but... Yeah, I think it do, it's going to have an impact. 
Look, he, he's 100% all bought in. He understands to play to his strengths. He doesn't do a lot he can't do. Last year, asking him to handle the ball that much, I think, was a little hard on him. But in this role where he's going to have guys that can take pressure over, he won't have to do that, I think he'll be really good. Seth, go, go for it. Seth, Seth, one here, guys. All right, Seth, this team, uh, they, they ran a lot of dribble drive up there in Toronto. When you talk about the spacing of Trey Mitchell and the guards that can get downhill, does this have the look and feel of a John Calipari team that, that runs the dribble drive and has a lot of success in it? Yeah, you guys get all caught up in just the dribble drive. It's just really, I mean, they're going to have pitch backs and shallow cuts. They'll run a lot of spread ball screen. They'll run, run some small, small ball screen to put the defense in a conundrum. Yeah, I mean, dribble drive is basically creating double gaps, getting the paint, moving the defense in, 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 in rotation. I mean, you can do that. You want to call it the dribble drive. It's like, you know, we got ghost screens. We got, you know, boomerangs. You know, we got Spain. You give me all, everyone has, you know, a different segment. Spain is a ball screen and a back screen. North Carolina did that for 400 years, but now it's Spain. Okay, pin down to dribble handoff. All right, people have done that forever. You know, now it's zoom action. You, you call it what you want. Play with good spacing, create double gaps, put guys in position to make plays, play off the penetration, move to open areas, advance the ball in transition so you can outnumber the defense. Those are all things that this team will be able to do. Seth, I know you got to go, man. We appreciate you uh, coming on as always. You're crushing the coverage on TBT. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on as always. Jack, I'm going to miss not drafting you because I know one thing, you're going to get me at least six and six. <laughs> is what it is, man. Appreciate you, Coach. <laughs> all right, brother. Coach. Awesome stuff there, Sean. I know didn't get a ton of time with Seth. Again, he – he just literally just got off the call. I was watching the game. He just got off the call with TBT. The game ended. He literally didn't even leave the floor uh, and then joined us on the show. So there is another game coming up at seven. So we knew it was a tight window, but uh, man, we really appreciate him, him coming on. Uh, plenty of awesome analysis there, Sean. Uh, absolutely. He's He was good last year on the show. And I know that's a guy you've gotten familiar with over the last couple of years with the fantasy camp and always a pleasure to, to speak to Seth and, uh, He's a big Cal guy. Like we know that he supported John Calipari all the way through everything Cal's Cal's done at Kentucky and other stops. And uh, I thought we got a lot of good information there. And how about him uh, hitting it on some things Kentucky's doing offensively and, and some of that randomness that Kentucky's been doing, but also some of those wrinkles that we've been discussing that Kentucky could do offensively. And there's there's a ton of stuff that this team can do. And, and he hit on some of it there at the end. Yeah, that I, I talked to him before the team's trip to Toronto, and it was right, you know, there we had gotten some positive buzz, and we had been talking openly on this show, and, and he said that he had heard some of it and was like, you know, you, you guys are on the right track with some of the, the more positive things, because he had heard talking to the staff. He's, again, he's very close with Coach Cal, uh, had John Welch on his staff, which I thought was really important, getting some insight on that. Uh there was a lot of confidence coming from Seth Greenberg. And again, he's a Cal guy. He's more optimistic about the state of uh, the program with Kentucky than most. So, uh, you know, th that that changes things a little bit. But uh, he kind of changed my tune a little bit after talking to the staff, being around the program and just knowing uh, leading up to the, to the Toronto trip, just how optimistic they were inside the program. I'd heard some similar buzz, but for him to kind of, you know, direct from the horse's mouth, uh, that's Cal's guy. Uh, he definitely made me feel a whole lot better, and the, the eyes, the, the eye test test matched what the the scuttlebutt was behind the scenes.
Yeah, it, it did. And uh, that's that's the thing. We, we had heard and, you know, been discussing all those things that we thought Kentucky could do up in Toronto, and, and they did it. And I thought it was important, too, that Seth hit on the, the sharing of the basketball. That seems to be the big takeaway from everybody you talked to about what Kentucky did on that 4-0 trip. It wasn't just the, the way that they won games and, and winning all four of them. It was the way that they played together, which is the most important – thing that you can have jack like if it doesn't matter what they run like if they don't share the basketball like it's not going to work but the unselfishness of this roster i think that every single person national media local media doesn't matter if you just watch the game i think that's probably the biggest takeaway that has stood out to most people everybody that i've talked to has talked about the way kentucky shared the ball and if you got a team that's willing to do that then you have a team that that you know the expectations and the potential i mean it's limitless of what you can do yeah so we we wish that we got more time and got more questions and stuff. And and I know we had a bunch of people ask questions to Seth, you know, uh, Connor Kanban who comes on our our show often said, what do you think the floor and ceiling are for this year's team? We might not not have gotten like a specific answer to that, but you can tell, I mean, you could tell Seth's confidence and, and, and what he thinks about this team. And he was kind of out in front. I remember uh, Michael, part of the reason why I wanted him on the show was Michael Eves, on Sports Center, UK alum, uh, the journalism department was on Sports Center and had Seth Greenberg on the panel with him, uh, and it was kind of right in the midst of Antonio Reeves not knowing what he was going to do, hadn't gotten Trey Mitchell there, is right kind of at that uneasiness period a, a, a month or two ago, uh, and Michael, you said, "What in the world is going on with John Calipari? What is what is he doing right now?" And Seth Greenberg very eloquent, eloquently said. He's building a great basketball team. I don't know what your what your question is, and I know at the time he was kind of saying, "Oh, here goes Seth being Mister Homer and Cal's, uh, you know, right hand man or whatever." But there ended up being a lot of truth to that, and, and you could you could definitely tell what his optimism is going to be. You he might not have said what he thinks the floor and ceiling it, it are for this Kentucky team specifically, but. You, you could tell he, he he believes that this team is capable of of making some noise. Yeah, and he opened with Trey Mitchell, like that was the one of the first names that came out of his mouth, and, and talking about the potential and some of the areas that that Kentucky used him offensively and the the passing of the basketball. And I was going to ask him if if we'd had more time, what was if a guy that had been around college basketball a ton in Trey Mitchell and multiple stops at, from UMass to Texas to West Virginia. I was going to ask him, was there anything that he saw from him that maybe he hadn't seen out of him at other places? And I, I think that you're probably seeing a little bit of that because when you turn on the tape at some of the other schools, you you didn't see him being used the exact same way that Kentucky used him on that trip. And I just think that that, that guy adds so much to what Kentucky can do offensively. But Seth also hit on get, how important it is to get those two bigs back and they need to get better on the defensive end. And we know that adding some size and, and rim protection to the back end of that, Jack, is, is priority number one from what Kentucky has to do from what they didn't have in July is they got to get something on the back end of that and get some size to this roster. Unfortunately, both of them are hurt at the moment, uh, but we, we know Kentucky has to get something from that spot to really reach what it wants to do. What, what did you think of, of his optimism about the front court? He very he multiple times went out of his way to say the front court is going to be something that, that – people kind of at the end of the day are, you know, I know there's a lot of concern right now, but at the end of the day, uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement about what this front court is going to do. Specifically talking about Aaron Bradshaw, there's a lot of hype about him. I know the staff is very confident in him. Uh, I actually got 
Uh, just yesterday, uh, talking to uh, somebody around the program, got another positive update on Ugo. Said he's going to be back. He's going to be fine. It's yes, it sucks that he's you know hit a little bit of a speed bump, but he's going to be you know timeline for return is right on track. He's not going to have any ridiculous setbacks or you know whatever. He he's going to be just fine. So what what did you make of that optimism about the front court from Seth? I think it. I think it makes sense. I think it's in, encouraging too. And obviously, those are probably conversations that he's had with John Calipari and, and guys on the staff from from some things that maybe they saw prior to the injury to Ugo. And then, I, I guess Jack, the the one positive to those two injuries is kind of when they occurred. They occurred, yeah. you know, obviously during the summer. You you have time to clean it up. You have time to get it taken care of, and then hopefully get both those guys back before you start official practice. That would be the ideal situation. That way, they get the entire fall get all those practices, get the exhibition games, and you go into the season at full strength. But I think the encouraging thing about it is I think Kentucky's backcourt really shined so much that that you know that that's what wins you games in March is your guard play. That is something that Kentucky has missed significantly the last couple of years. They had interior play. I mean, Oscar Sheboy was a two-time All-American, a you know unanimous player of the year in college basketball. But you've got to have guards that win you national championships and win you games in the NCAA tournament. So I think seeing where those guys were collectively and then as a team collectively sharing the ball, you plug those two bigs in, and John Calipari said it, there's not going to be a ton change in what they do offensively. And I think that that was probably the the thing that's given the most reason for optimism is you slide those two guys in there, let them add some size. We know that Bradshaw wants to stretch the floor some. We know that Ugo can block some shots. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. They're a little bit of a, that's probably the biggest unknown about the roster is that spot because we didn't see it entirely. And we know that every college basketball team has a question mark entering the season that will be Kentucky's. But I think given what we saw across the roster and how well they played together, I think that everybody got a little bit of optimism from that, that those two guys can slide in and Kentucky not really miss a beat with some of that team chemistry that they had. I think that's the biggest reason to be optimistic about it. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and there are a couple of people in, in the chat. If you have any other questions that you want us to hit on uh, individually, it's kind of serve as a Q&A of sorts if you guys want to uh, turn it into that since we didn't get a ton of questions for, for Seth specifically. Uh, a, a couple of people, Terry324 uh, has brought up Bronny James and uh, his tragic situation earlier today, really, really, or Monday, uh, really, really troubling news. And, and you know, back-to-back years, Vince Iwuchukwu, who – uh, was one of my favorite recruits in the cycle last year. He was a four-star, fringe five-star, uh, McDonald's All-American quality talent who ended up signing with USC. UK flirted a little bit. Uh, he went through basically rewind, repeat, identical situation during practice. Uh, goes down, cardiac arrest, rush to the hospital, uh, out for a prolonged period, back-to-back years at USC. Just really, uh, I mean, just for the people around that program and and the medical staff having to experience a near-death experience back-to-back years like that I, I just really feel for them especially and uh but but you know prayers up to Bronny James glad to hear that he's out, out of the ICU glad to see that he's in stable condition but uh goodness gracious man it's it's a uh, um, 18 year olds should not have to be going through uh what Bo- what Bronny just did this week and what Vince uh, I would Chuck we experienced last year 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, that was that was sad news that you know woke up to this morning and and got that early and you know definitely quick recovery for him and, and hopefully he's going to be okay long term and and everything. I know that's uh, I can't imagine LeBron and and everything and what what that's like going through that moment and everything, but hopefully he's going to be okay and and good to go. Talented player, you know, just committed this summer, a lot of upside, and uh, hopefully hopefully he's going to be okay. But yeah, anytime you have a situation like that, it, it's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, go on, knock out some of these ad reads. Uh, appreciate all of our. I know we kind of had to. We I wanted to get as much t- talk time out of Seth as we could possibly get, uh, so I didn't get to do the full ad read with Justice Dental. But appreciate all they do. It's a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Doctor Thompson, Doctor Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. And the Source to Say podcast is also brought to you by our friend Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Wanting to diversify, build wealth? and or leave a legacy. Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, I I wanted to uh, ask, you know, we we talked plenty about the, the team and our personal thoughts on how things went in Toronto, so we don't need to dig too much deeper into that if fans have individual specific questions about the team or style of play or uh, roster questions or whatever we're happy to answer those but we don't need to regurgitate what we've already talked about but uh, a lot of interesting updates on the recruiting front uh, especially uh, just today I had a, a one of my guys one of my international guys in particular uh, reached out to me and said uh, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman are here uh, in Memphis at the NCAA College Basketball Academies. Uh, it's a kind of an international showcase. Uh, a lot of, you know, young up and coming eighth, ninth graders, you know, it, it's kind of a an event beyond the typical EYBL kids that you're going to see uh, beyond the f- top end five stars and, and uh, guys that you see on a day to day basis on every highlight reel uh, out there. One very significant note out of that event in particular uh, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman both courtside for seven foot seven pound, uh, 290 pound center Olivier Ryu uh, out of Canada, Montreal kid. Cal went on and on about uh, his love for Canada while he was up in Toronto. And, and that press conference was, you know, very specific shout outs to uh, why, if you're a kid from Canada, why in the world would you not want to come here? Uh, Cal. Clearly likes what he sees up in uh, up in Toronto going after uh, or not Toronto, but Canada in general, uh, Kentucky, at least exploring uh, what uh, Olivier Ryu, who is a Guinness Book of World Record holder for tallest teenager in the world shot. That's that's wild, man. That is, that is uh, that's a big frame. Certainly fits the billing of rim protector, right? They know that, that John Calipari loves when you got a frame like that and all that that size. But you mentioned Canada and and everything. Then John Calipari's kind of recruitment there when he he was pitching himself in his program, yeah, in that country and you know in that moment. And you had Shea Gilgis Alexander sit courtside for one of your games. One of your guys that you know has come to you, you know, from that that part of the world and is now, I mean, a star in the NBA. And you have him sitting there and, and speaking about how that changed your program and stuff. Like we, we know that that's a recruiting 
pitch that, that John Calipari's thrown out there for the rest of, of the world to see, and especially that 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 part of the world in Canada and stuff, thinking, you know, like, why wouldn't you want to come to Kentucky if you're one of the better uh, prospects? But I think it's cool to see Kentucky doing some things differently and, and kind of getting, you know, involved in, in, in that part of recruiting and not just recruiting, you know, the, the high school game and stuff here and, and things. I think that that's really encouraging to see because we know that that part of the world uh, when it comes to the the modern modernization, you know, modernizing basketball and, and the changes in offense and things, we know the international game uh, has played a large part in that. And you see talent from all over the world. So I, I think it's cool to see Cal and Kentucky kind of doing some things differently. Yeah. And, and I, again, I don't think it, as, as far as this specific recruit is concerned, I, I don't think Kentucky is going to go all in. This isn't a, you know, he's very rough around the edges, seven foot seven, 290 pounds he is essentially layups and dunks and block shots like there's not a whole lot more to his game uh, as of right now at least as a basketball player so um, I I don't anticipate Kentucky just dropping whatever they're doing and and making a push for him in the 2024 class however uh, Sean I I do think that there is something to be said about Kentucky's newfound interest in the international uh, game. And I I do think that that is something that John Calipari is very interested in exploring and something that he has been taking a a closer look at. Uh, In fact, on the other side of the aisle, as, uh, as Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman are are in uh, looking at some international prospects in Memphis, there are uh, the the third assistant coach, Chuck uh, Martin right now is in Serbia uh, looking at uh, some other international talent as well. Uh, he is at the 20, 2023 FIBA U18 European Championships out there. Uh, Sean, that's not an accident. Cal doesn't just randomly say, hey, let, new brand new assistant coach that we just hired a month ago, stop what you're doing, pack your bags and go to Serbia after you just got back from Toronto last week. Like there's a, there's a method to Cal's madness. There's a reason why Cal would want his you know, one of his new lead assistants to make his presence felt uh, out in Serbia. Um, there, there's a method to Cal's madness. And I do think that we will be seeing an uptick in, in international recruiting for John Calipari, especially what, what do you think the value is there, Sean? Why, why is that so important? I think there, I think there's value in, in making sure that you kind of cover all grounds when it comes to recruiting, you know, not just here in the United States and, and things, but, you know, covering it more on a, you know, whole world basis and and looking at what the talent is. And if if those guys want to play college basketball and they're going to go elsewhere and play, you know, why don't you look at those international prospects and you look at other parts of the world, you look at Canada, you look uh, at Europe, you you look at all those different areas and and you kind of see the talent there. And maybe this is uh, a transition that's kind of happening in college basketball, given NIL and, and everything else that that's going on and the, just the shifts. I mean, it just, it's really, I think it's really encouraging to see Kentucky doing this and, and doing it all together today. You get both those and, you know, you've been all over it and stuff on Twitter and, and putting that out there. I think that's really cool to see them going to work. And like you mentioned, Chuck Martin, that's not random. Like you just, you know, sending him and going there. That's a, that's a pretty big trip and a, and a pretty big thing for him to do. He's been on the job now for what, three to four weeks. Yeah. at Kentucky and he's already kind of out, you know, doing some work and doing some things in parts where Kentucky's not been recruiting and evaluating. So I, I think it's encouraging to see them hitting those areas of basketball because you, you got to look at this thing from a whole world perspective and, and where the game is trending and, and where the game is going. And if you can get help and there are talented pieces there that are willing to come play for your program that can help, 
absolutely look at it because it just broadens everything that you're trying to do when it comes to filling out your rosters, not just this season, but moving forward in college basketball. And I think you bring up a good point just from a fundamental standpoint, the European game, just how fundamentally sound they are and the high basketball IQs. And, you know, these guys have been playing professionally since they were 11 years old. Like they, they, this is their entire lives. Uh, So Cal has been like, you remember four or five years ago, I don't even remember how long it's been since, since then, but you remember when Cal had a whole spiel at a press conference talking about how he wants to bring in a Chinese basketball player. Like he, he, he said that there was a fan that reached out to him and said, Hey, I'd love for for somebody that looks like me to play for, for the university of Kentucky. And he was like, you know, I think that'd be an awesome thing to go find that, you know, Chinese basketball player that would be a, a perfect fit at Kentucky, you know, style of play, whatever. Uh, this is something that I don't think is brand new to Cal from uh, an ideal perspective. Like I, I think he has, wanted to pursue this in the past and they've gone overseas to different events and different FIBA uh, events you know a lot of times when Team USA is participating in different recruiting events that coaches are able to attend in person uh, they're always you know Callan and his staff are always in attendance but uh, for them to go all in on the international pool of talent that is so deep and and such an unexplored you know waters like that it makes so much sense there's a reason why UCLA and we'll talk about you know I know there's a lot of talk about a a Daimara and and you know if that's a player that Kentucky's interested in and you know hit the dynamic with UCLA but UCLA really dug into their roots there and Arizona recently and a couple different colleges have kind of seen that that is a um a pool of talent that really has not been hit on often. And, and it makes way too much sense for, for Kentucky being Kentucky, John Calipari being John Calipari to, you know, with the clear appeal that that is this program and this head coach to not hit on that deeper. Uh, I, I think that this is, again, not a secret. And I think we're going to start seeing some, some real movement, maybe even sooner rather than later uh, about what Kentucky could be doing on that front. And it's like how much, you know, is, is Kentucky basketball watched around the world and how popular is it? And if you, if you remember early on in Cal's time here when John Wall got his popularity and stuff and you, you saw the, the John Wall dance, I mean, you saw it all over the place. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, here in Kentucky or the United States. Like there was a, a, a popularity that came to eyes on Kentucky basketball. But I think that it just makes a ton of sense as a program to kind of add to your pool of recruiting. It gives you more options and with more coaches available on staff and, and everything that you can kind of do, you can do these things now. You can send people out and and look and, and kind of evaluate and recruit other parts and and have other guys like you've got dudes at a certain spot today and you got Chuck Martin where, where he's at. Like having a full staff like that that has the ability to do it, but then you still have guys back in Lexington that can can handle things and you got a guy like John Welch in your program. It just adds to kind of what you can do. And I think that you're seeing Kentucky and, and John Calipari maybe cover some of this ground that we've talked about the last couple of years that maybe they were slacking in in certain areas and maybe too many guys trying to do too many things. I think you're seeing it kind of delegated and stuff now to where the staff is maybe on the same page and, and getting out there and hitting some different areas. And I think it's an encouraging thing to see Kentucky, you know, kind of looking at that and looking at the potential of what, that could be coming, not not just for what they're trying to do. We, we still get caught up in this, will Kentucky add anything to this current roster, which still remains to be seen, should get answered pretty soon if they're going to. But 
for future recruiting classes moving forward, I think this is a kind of a big statement today that you're seeing them do this. In look, talking to people around the program over the last year plus who they have set courtside for every Trey Johnson game, every Boogie Flan game, every Carter Knox game. You know, you go down the list of these 2024s and they like a lot of them, but they don't love very many of them. Sean, what statement does it make that, you know, in a down year, in a down recruiting class, historically bad in that 2024 class? Yes, there's talent, you know, not really top heavy. It, you know, you could find role, role pieces, but you're really not going to go find a home run hit in, in that 2024 class. What, is, what does it say to you that maybe, maybe or maybe not for this current roster, but especially 2024, where they know that, like, yes, they could go sign each of the top five recruits in the class. But, you know, is that how you build a national title contender with this class in particular? I don't personally think so. And it's clear that Cal doesn't think so either, because I, I do think that uh, he's going to hit international recruiting harder. And if he could hit a home run there because of how down the 2024 class and maybe hit a home run elsewhere, kind of did what do what he did with Jamal Murray in, in 2020, uh, 2015, uh, where, you know, he needed a last, uh, you know, one, one last piece to round out that that roster and went and, you know, went internationally and found Jamal Murray. Uh, I think that could be where Cal's head is uh, about filling out not just this roster. And, you know, we'll see what goes with that, but especially next year's group because that recruiting class is so poor. Yeah. And you and I talked after Peach Jam on this show about how creative Kentucky was going to have to get in 24 and what the roster looks like. You're, you're going to get a, a mixture of some high school players, of course, but some reclass guys, possibly. Uh, looking at getting more back from this roster, hopefully. You get some guys back currently. You you hit the portal. Now you look at the international pool of players. Like We mentioned that Kentucky was going to have to get creative when it comes to filling out a roster for next season, and I think you're kind of seeing Kentucky maybe make moves towards that now. Like you said, you could take the top five guys, but if those top five guys, like if it's a weak class overall, is that top five enough to kind of put you in the – the forefront of winning a national championship. And I think that's where evaluating talent and evaluating during recruiting is so important. Do you find some diamond in the rough pieces that maybe right now are not being discussed or not being talked about, but by the end of the recruitment ends up being re-ranked and you see them kind of shooting up the, the boards and rankings. You, you see that happen every single recruiting class, every single class you see those, those guys that are late risers and the guys that are kind of at the top at the beginning that kind of shuffle and, and fall a little bit. So evaluating it's it's almost to me more more important than what else. More of the most important things you do in recruiting: evaluate what and who you're recruiting, and then have an eye for talent. And I think it's important to have a guy, at least one guy on your staff that is really good at that, because then I think you kind of you hit on guys that maybe some others don't see, but you also don't have misses where you go in on somebody and then it comes down to it they're not really good enough to be in your program. So I think it's very important to evaluate. And I see I think you're seeing Kentucky do that now with some of these moves that they're doing. Yeah, I completely agree. And you don't have to get five European players. Like you don't have to completely replace what you're doing in 2024. Or, you know, if, you know, if you can build a class, Sean, with Billy Richmond, Carter Knox, Jaden Quaintance, and, you know, insert elite up and coming European big or, you know, elite point guard or whatever, if that can be the core group of your recruiting class and kind of pick and choose from there uh, with Somto back and, you know, whatever, 
if you can get Reed Shepard back, if you can get Jordan Burks and, you know, maybe another year out of Ugo and like you, you can build a contending roster that way. You don't have to go swing for the fences with, you know, quality or quantity overseas. But if you can get your, get, you know, hit a home run with one guy or maybe, maybe even two, like, I think that's where you could see a lot of value. And, and Sean, I completely agree. I think the, 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 the value there is evaluation, like evaluation. I, I don't think has been a strong suit the last four, th- th- three, four years. I think that they, they've hit on, on a lot of guys, but I, I do think they haven't kind of dug to that next level to really find uh, that, that next level of, of talent. And I, I do think that uh, we, we've seen an uptick with this recruiting class. I think they did a really job of finding guys that get, that could work well together. But I, I do think that they're really trying to dig deeper and, and get to the bottom of this 2024 class and kind of make something out of nothing, if you, if you will. Yeah. And, and we know that they'll be active in the portal a year from now. I actually expect them to be a little bit more active next spring than what they were this year and things. And, and too, I mean, they've, they've added total, what, one guy from the portal. They added Reeves a year ago. Then they added, obviously, Trey Mitchell this year that, that fell into their lap there late. But I, I think you're always going to see them maybe take at least one portal guy. But maybe with this class, they may have to take one or two more. And then, too, it all depends on the turnover from this team. Like, if this team makes a run and gets to a Final Four, it's probably going to have quite a few guys get drafted. And stuff, and and then you're going to have first round picks, and and that's that's the good. That's when Kentucky basketball was doing things like winning national championships, going to Final Fours, getting a lot of guys drafted, and then boom, you're replacing them with more elite talent. So I think it, it all depends on you know who comes back and things like that. But when you look at 24, they're going to have to get creative, and I think you're seeing them get creative with some of the things that they're doing, and it's good to see them getting ahead of that and doing it now before they have to really key on it in the spring. You're making, you're laughing and smiling again. So, I, I mean, man, Athir Kader in our chat is like the the biggest breath of fresh air on the planet, man. He's he's just so happy constantly, and I, I just love that guy so much. Yeah. I, I love I love my KSR show, especially with Jack and Sean, and enjoying my cigar. LOL, like. Dude, just smoking a cigar and watching watching us on a Tuesday afternoon, man. Like, I, I think my, life's good. I think my quad one alert went off a minute ago too. Did he say something about quad one games? Like it's July. He made fun of you. He made fun of you. He said you beat a dead horse uh, <laughs> last year with, with all the quad quad talk. Hey, I'm the resume guy on the show. Like I love diving into resumes. And stuff and, and things and and I, I think Kentucky schedule obviously Jack will have a, a ton of quad one opportunities. Uh, hopefully they can get some of those quad one opportunities in the non conference. I think that's been the part that's really hurt when it comes to seeding the last few years. And I mean obviously they were a two seed the year before that, but in, if you don't do anything in the non conference, it really puts you you know behind the eight ball, especially when you got conferences like the Big Twelve last year that every game was a quad one game. Resume is important. But at the end of the year, playing how you're playing basketball is too. But I'll dive into the quad one stuff once we start getting into <laughs> December and things. And I'm, I'm always going to talk quad one. I'm always going to talk resume because we know that that's one of the biggest things that comes down to seeding an NCAA tournament. Mm, love our guy up there. Sean, last year you beat up on dead horse of quad one. <laughs> I'm going to do it again this year. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I do want to, uh, you know, address the, you know, the vast earlier. So is a, a, a Dimara coming and um, there has been, you know, talk about him and him exploring the college route. And 
Uh, UCLA has been on him from the beginning. He's basically been verbally committed to Mick Cronin and, and UCLA for a minute now. Uh, has some pretty significant hangups with, uh, you know, contract issues and buyout issues with his uh, professional team uh, overseas. And uh, basically he requested to go to the United States and they said no. And uh, like you said, you, you you signed a contract with us. You have to honor your contract. Have a nice day. Uh, I know the plan on on UCLA side has been to kind of get him in August and en- enroll him. Uh, that's been a hang up. I will say Kentucky did kick the tires there. Does, John Calipari does like him quite a bit, but I, I think on Kentucky side, there's a lot of skepticism. Again, this kid has been basically all but committed to UCLA for a long, you know, the better part of a year, basically. Mick Cronin could not have recruited him any better or harder. Um, and he's still not publicly committed. They, they, he's still not completely, you know, T's crossed, eyes dotted. Like there, there's the, the fact that we're still late July and there's still so many hangups and stuff. Like I, I think there's just a lot of pessimism about whether or not he'll actually be eligible at the collegiate level. And um, I, I think that is part of the reason why Kentucky just hasn't gone all in on him. So I do not envision that being, um, you know, barring a major breakthrough on that side. And again, this is a, a lottery talent for next year. So it, uh, there's a clear reason why John, John Calipari likes him. Uh, but I, I I just would not envision that being a path that, that Cal is going to go down uh, just in the risk of, you know, why, why go through all that effort and, and have him not be eligible at Kentucky. So uh, I do think if if he is able to play college basketball, I think he'll be at UCLA. I think that's what they've been they've been trying to make happen uh, for the for the better part, several months now. But just again, when you are signed to a contract with a professional team and he has a buyout, I think I saw it's like 750,000 euros or something like, uh, there's, there's a lot more on the table than just, Hey, do you want to come play for us? There's snags on his contract overseas. And there's also snags about getting him eligible at the collegiate level. So I do not envision that happening, but, um, Sean, that doesn't mean that Cal's not going to get creative. It doesn't mean that, that Cal, likes what this team is he you know there's a lot of optimism about ugo coming back and aaron bradshaw being on pace to to play and both of them being ready for the start of the regular season but uh, i like if if there's a reason why cal said it depends on what happens in, in august we'll see we'll see what happens like I, I do think that cal is always looking to improve his roster and if there's a chance to turn a great team into a slam dunk home run title contender I, I think he's going he's he's going to do that and he's going to make that push so we'll see uh let, let's just say the next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting to see um how quickly things come together on some things and if if you know if they continue to be confident about where things stand with ugo and aaron bradshaw uh cal just might say you know what let's roll the balls out and let's play like let's hoop like this is a team cal's clearly confident in but it's one of those like icing on the cake cake deals cal really likes this group but if there is maybe one more additional piece that could take it to the next level, then I think Cal understands that 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 might be a path he has to look at. Yeah. And and he mentioned, you know, August prior to like two weeks before the trip to Toronto. So there was something intentional about August that he expects kind of to to take place throughout college basketball with grad transfers to the portal and things like that. And and we'll see what Kentucky decides to do. But we knew going into Toronto, the biggest takeaway was going to be Okay, where are we now and what do we need to do to get where we want to go when it matters? 
So if they saw something there that they think that they need to add and change, then that's kind of where that, that was their evaluation period of this roster before they really see it. And that's the benefit of having a trip like that is you get to see where you're at. Unfortunately, you didn't get to see where, where you were at full strength. So maybe that's their evaluation. Maybe they, they think, okay, we need to add something here in the front court just in case one of these guys has a setback or they're not ready to go. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. When the season starts, uh, been trying to go through the comments here and making sure we're not missing anything. I don't know if you can see them on your end or what, but I do want to clear up what I was talking about with Portal because somebody mentioned, you know, Oscar Reed, Travis, and Kellen Grady. I was talking the last two Kentucky rosters. They've yeah. only added one Portal piece. They added Antonio Reeves a year ago, and then obviously Trey Mitchell this year. And the year before that, it was Portal, 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 trying to put that roster together. So I'm, I'm just hitting at what they did the last two years that maybe – that's going to be what they're always going to do is maybe at least add one portal guy that's probably a veteran to add some veteran uh, piece to their roster and then see where they go from there. But Jack, you, this could be a class coming up where you see Kentucky get a little bit more active in the portal, depending on how the high school recruiting class goes, and then to what you have coming back from the current roster. That the what how many guys come back if they're well, there's always going to be transfers and stuff in and out of your program. So I think there, there's just so many moving parts that you want to cover all grounds when it comes to filling out your roster now and you're, you're talking about the international recruiting and then it's a never ending cycle. Now we're not only talking about what Kentucky's doing in 24, but we're still talking about what's Kentucky going to do with their current roster and things and who's added to that. If anyone's added to that. So it's, it's always moving parts in college basketball now. Yeah, absolutely. Nick McCardell, our guy uh, asked, what, what are your guys thoughts on Brad Calipari joining the Vanderbilt stat staff? Didn't we uh, all think Stackhouse hated Cal? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when it's your son, when he has coaching dreams, he would let him coach anywhere for anybody if it meant that he was going to be able to move up the coaching ladder. It's an SEC, uh, you know, playing, you know, coaching under a former NBA all-star. Like, it's a really, really good opportunity for Brad to be there. Really, really happy for him. And I know Cal's very happy for him. And I think even bigger picture, his sister's there in Nashville, his mom, you know, very openly talking about uh, her love for Nashville and having a house down there and being around the siblings and all that. It, that's also a part of it, you know, being able to be close to uh, family and friends and cows down there all the time. And obviously a game there every year. A lot of times the SEC tournaments there, like it just makes way too much sense and uh, for, for his side. And it's also a very exciting thing on Cal's side to uh, have his son live out his dream of being a, co- a college coach. It, uh, Sean, I know if, if you had a, a kid on the way and he had dreams of coaching at Louisville or coaching at Duke or coaching at, you'd say, wherever you want to go, kid, you know, playing somewhere or whatever. I mean, when, when kids have dreams and they want to go move up the ladder, sometimes it takes uh, different paths to get to, to, to move up that ladder. And I think it's a great move on, on Cal's part to, or Brad Brad's part to make that move. It's a move too that it's not just working with dad, you know, it's, it's getting out and kind of carving your own path 
and mm-hmm. you know, be blazing your own trail of, of where you want to go with what you're wanting to do in your basketball career. And it, it's cool that he's in the SEC. He's going to get a couple of games with dad. He's going to get to to be close to family. It's it's not a far, not a long drive. Uh, he'll probably see him a lot more than he had over the last 12 months. But it was cool to see him there with Kentucky too, in Toronto, right before he that job gets announced and stuff. But yeah, when it, when it when it comes down to it. It's all about Brad's on his own path. And, you know, Cal talks about that with this program when it comes to players. What's well, the same thing with Brad and what he's doing in his coaching career? Does it eventually lead to, if, if Cal's here long enough, does it eventually lead to Brad doing something with Kentucky? Who knows? But it's it's cool to see that that's something Brad made that decision to do this with his life a long time ago, back in high school when he went, you know, prep. He wanted to play and then come to Kentucky and played three years. And then he went to, you know, Detroit, he, he wanted to go and, and get some some basketball under his belt. But it's all been about coaching the game and following in, in those footsteps and, and doing his own thing. And I think it's really cool to see. And it's going to create some cool storylines in both those games and really fun interviews, you know, leading up to those. And if, yeah, if Vandy beats Kentucky, yeah, let's let's not let that become a thing, <laughs> because the, the can you talk about the. You think you think the criticism's been harsh before? Wait until the league and college basketball gets a hold of that. So you don't you don't <laughs> want that if you're Cal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, running through a couple of these other questions, John Hand asked, "What went wrong with Ahmad Noel's recruitment? UConn uh, got them a star, I think is what he was trying to say. But uh, yeah, I think Kentucky always really liked him. Again, didn't love him. Uh, I think he's going to be a three, four-year college basketball player. You know, he's true 6-1 maybe as a a combo guard, not a great shooter, you know, solid floor general, a dog. You know, he's going to get after defensively. But uh, there are a lot of those guys. Like, you could find a lot of those guys. However, UConn develops those guys about as well as anybody in college basketball. They just had a national title victory with a roster full of those types of, of talents. I think it was one of those deals that if he were in love with Kentucky and, you know, just said, I, I want to do whatever it takes to play for John Calipari, Justin Edwards is his teammate at Emotep and under the team final umbrella that uh, Justin Edwards played for. Like if, if he really wanted to be here, Cal would have said, let's, let's make this happen. But this was a kid that prioritized, you know, role and wanted to go somewhere where he could make an, a, an early immediate and significant impact. And uh, I think he could have potentially, been a solid year one player, but I don't think he would have been an elite guy. And, uh, you know, just one of those deals that he went for the better fit. I I think it is a better fit for him at UConn than it is at Kentucky. It's no fault on either side. Like, I don't think Kentucky lost that one. And I don't think uh, UConn won that one. You know, I think it was just a nice, you know, a good solid recruitment on both sides. Uh, Sean, I know you got to see him a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. There there are going to be a lot of other options out there for, for Kentucky to go after at the guard spot. Yeah, and that, that was one that, you know, when, when it came down to it and you were the one there at Peach Jam when he talked about with his his commitment date and stuff. And I remember you looking at me and we walked out of the building and you said, yeah, that's that's not going to be Kentucky. And, mm-hmm. and you knew it kind of from that point. But, no, I mean, what Hurley's doing at UConn, winning a national championship, he's one of the coolest guys in the gym. Every time he walks in, that's a national championship coach. It, it does a lot for you, and it's, it's an appealing place to – to go play now and i um, interested to see if, if, if that's a team Kentucky gets matched up with at some point here in the, in the near future in some capacity used to play. I know in the early days of, you know, John Calipari at Kentucky, they obviously they played in the NCAA tournament a couple of times, but then they played in the regular season. They played in Maui 
one year. So uh, that would be a team that I'd like to see Kentucky get on the schedule and play here in the near future would be UConn because I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're going to be right there and be a contender year in and year out and back to what UConn basketball had been. Uh, Spencer Smith says, percentage chance you think uh, we add someone in August below or above 50%. I, I really don't like doing percentages because then it goes on a message board 50% chance that Kentucky at like that's not the case like I I think it's something that can t- that that Cal is open to I think that if the right fit presents itself I, I think that it, it it's it's no question like I, I there's a reason why Cal after seeing this team right before the trip to Toronto seeing this team the entire offseason seeing how they work together and and you know after seeing Trey Mitchell on campus and seeing the the overall fit with Ugo still healthy there's a reason why Cal went out of his way to say it depends on how things shake out in August we'll see I heard from somewhere else um within the program they said the plan as of right now is to keep things intact as is but if something crazy happens in August then it's something we'll explore so they're they're clearly not opening the door wide open com- completely, but they're also not slamming it shut. They're just kind of keeping it cracked. If the right guy opens up that door and says, Hey, let's make this happen. They're, they're very clearly going to pursue that. If uh, it doesn't make sense financially, doesn't make sense fit wise. If it's somebody that's going to, you know, change what they're trying to do with style of play. And, you know, I, I don't think Cal has any interest in bringing in a big plotting big to kind of completely change what worked in Toronto. Like, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Like, uh, it, it just depends on the fit. I, I don't want to put a percentage chance on it, but uh, the door is not closed. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and, and that's the smart approach. You know, leave it open. If you see something that fits what you're wanting to do, you, you chase it and you you try to get it. If if not, you don't want to run the risk of, of messing anything up of what you did just build in Toronto and, and some team chemistry, the way you're wanting to play, style of play, things like that. If Kentucky adds anything to this roster – it will 100% be something that they see fits what they're trying to do and helps get them what and helps them do what they're wanting to do when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And a lot of it depend I think a lot of it might depend on what the feedback was and kind of the reports and stuff with the two bigs and where they think they stand, but hey, I think they got a lot of stuff answered. I think for the most part they liked what they saw in Toronto and probably got good evaluations coming back home and they probably like where they are. If those two guys are healthy and able to go, I like Kentucky's roster and where it's at. But we'll see what happens in August. Like uh, Cal mentioned August for a reason, Jack. And you and I both looked at each other and was like, okay, this guy's sitting up here at a press conference talking a lot about August and, and transfers throughout a specific number of players that probably become available. Like I said a few weeks ago, college basketball, it, it's not a secret when it comes to the coaches. Everybody kind of gets some some tips and stuff on what could possibly happen. But it's just who becomes available and if anyone makes sense, does Kentucky look at them? If someone does, I, I expect them to. If not, maybe they roll with what they got. Uh, you said if the fit makes sense for Kentucky, I, I know what fit makes sense for me personally, and that is Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs shorts do exa- the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit uh, better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. They fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a, a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. That's a tongue twister. Uh, that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs is the absolute best. We cannot stress that enough. And 
if you use our promo code KSR, you get a free gift tongue uh, gift tumbler, which Sean, I believe, has milk, chocolate milk in, I think. Why would I put chocolate milk in this? Is that what you said? I thought you said that's what you put in there. I was joking. Oh. <laughs> it's not chocolate milk. No, it's water. But this is a this is a great tumbler. And uh, by the way, hell of a fit, but a hell of a transition there. Like that was probably the most impressive transition that you've ever had on this show. But no, I did wear my bird dogs yesterday. It's super hot right now here in Kentucky. And they were very comfortable yesterday. Uh, no, I, I was actually kidding. Yes, there's chocolate milk in this. I just was liar. Kind of, I was about to say, why are you lying to our fan base? Why are you lying? There's no reason to lie about that. Chocolate milk is is like you act like you're a child or something if you drink chocolate milk. No, it's a, a perfectly acceptable thing to put in that free tumbler that exactly. you got using promo code KSR. And I, I texted you and Steven right before we went live, and I said my Wi-Fi is working, and I've got chocolate milk and my bird dogs. So like like it's perfect. It was the perfect go-to. So everybody knows my my secret now, my drink that's in this cup. Go to birddogs.com slash KSR or enter promo code KSR for a free Yeti-style tumbler that you may or may not put chocolate milk in. That's birddogs.com slash KSR, promo code KSR for a free Yeti-style tumbler that is Sean is currently drinking out of. Uh, delicious chocolate, uh, delicious uh, savory, just smooth, rich awesome chocolate milk you do not want to take your bird dogs off you don't want to start stop drinking out of that cup uh we promise you that's promo code ksr on birddogs.com sean awesome show really appreciate our guy seth greenberg coming on literally in the middle i mean he has a game about to go on right now and he uh, stopped what he was doing in the middle of freedom hall to uh, jump on with us, talk about his excitement for the cat. So appreciate everything that he does and appreciate everything that you do. As always, Sean, let's go on and get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, I'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Source Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.